Okay, so embarrassing foot on which to be beginning our season 45 coverage. Shocker, I know, considering the airtight atmosphere of professionalism we normally give off. Uh, There's some sort of weird audio thing going on with like the first 15 seconds or so that is hopefully not a big deal. Uh, It's never happened before. Hopefully it won't happen again. But it sounds strange enough that I felt compelled to come in here and record a preamble about it that I'm now recognizing takes longer to get through than the actual issue itself. Anyway, enjoy. Alright, welcome back everybody here. We are for the first time talking to Survivor 45 Dom. We are back and Survivor is back, at least in my opinion. Uh, are, are you on the same wavelength as me and it seems like most people about this season so far? Is it so back? Are we so back? Uh, really a lot of questions coming out of all of this so far. Yeah, well, are you, I, I am skeptical, not skeptical, I'm uh, reluctant to just assign you a conventional take under pretty much any circumstances, but I'm holding out hope that you are on board with the kind of consensus view that this season has been a potentially big improvement over the last few. Well, you know me, I can be uh, brimming with enthusiasm if if I need to be. If if that's what would make you happy, I I can come in here and do that for you. But I am holding off judgment on the season so far. I I feel like I've been behind the curve in terms of just watching the episodes. Uh, again, the way that my schedule has lined up has mean that I I see all the hype when I have too little self-control to tap away from Twitter. And then hopefully I manage to finally find that self-control before I see actual spoilers for the end of the episodes, which I now still get afraid about coming at the hour mark because I haven't internalized the fact that we have 90 minute episodes this season yet. So as you can tell, a lot to that my uh, brain has to, uh, to, to kind of rewire itself to accommodate. But um, once I have got around to finally watching the episodes, I, I think I'm liking what I see. I mean, the, the premiere was a hot mess for better and for worse. And I saw a lot of people, uh, whose reaction to the premiere was, okay, I, I, I've had it, I'm out. And I, those people, they'll, they'll be back. They're, they're always back. Maybe not so back, but they'll, they'll be here. You know, they'll, they'll back with their, their tails between their legs. But I would not fault people for watching that premiere and thinking, this is just more of the same. And in fact, it's more of the exact same aspects of this new era that seem to epitomize what I dislike about modern Survivor. I think a lot of those have, we've seen the other side of now, they've changed kind of for the better, but I, I'm not going to fault those people who have already bailed and run for the hills and the people who are hanging on by a thread. I, I don't know what to say to to bring them back into the fold. OK, I hear for sure what you are saying, and I don't mean to get ahead of myself and suggest everything that we ever complained about is fixed now and it's nothing but smooth sailing going forward. There are, in my view, though a lot of like critical differences between this season and virtually the entirety of the new era that leave me feeling pretty good about the spot we're currently in. Uh, for instance, you know, we talked whenever we were in here talking about the new era 
probably pretty much every time about how it, it seems clear, and I think Jeff would acknowledge, that they are in a place where they're trying a ton of new things. Some of it's going to work. Some of it's, some of it's not going to work. We can scrap whatever if it's not going so well. And I, I was willing, I think, to be generous uh, with some of the what I would consider unforced errors that the producers made over these last couple of few years this time around though it, it I, I guess the the bulk of what makes me feel so good is i am a big time like process over outcome guy and while i have not uh loved the actual outcomes that we have had on pretty much any of these episodes to be honest i think the process as far as i would be concerned has improved significantly in terms of just game design and that is the thing about which I care most. Like, first and foremost, of, as usual in the new era, and frankly, in the post-Lynn Spillman era, another fantastic cast from top to bottom. And on top of that, the editors, I would say, are doing a fantastic job of their own. And those are always going to be the two most important things to me, I think, in terms of what makes a season good or not. But in terms of, like, the more uh, like technical game design stuff, I think 45 is in a whole separate category from 44 and through 41, uh, where the twists this time stand out to me as a marked improvement, where people are making actual decisions that are legitimately interesting instead of what were, for the most part, like borderline forced decisions that were not that interesting, obviously with plenty of exceptions uh, in there along the way. And I'm sure there will be exceptions along the way here on the opposite end of that spectrum. But uh, on top of that, like tribal councils are interesting to me for the first time in a while. And I, because of the 90 minute episodes, don't feel like challenges are any longer taking up more like significantly more time than I would like for them to be taking up. Uh, and so just seeing these first three episodes, I feel like we are not only on track for, but like on the fast track towards freshening up a lot of the things that I felt like were getting stale or were just broken in the first place with the new era. So as far as I'm concerned, I feel like, 45 to this point uh, from like what I would hope to see versus what I'm actually getting is running pretty damn near like best realistic case scenario. However, uh, I do Dom and I'm grateful that you're throwing some cover for me here on the uh, pessimism straight away. I do want to say, I think a ton of that has to do with the fact that they have 90 minute episodes now uh, and that this would not be sustainable were we to go back to 60 minute episodes which i think we probably are likely to do in the not too distant future so for me between being so excited about so many of the things i'm seeing that i've been wanting to see and wanting i think to just soak up as much as i possibly can of the 90 minute episode era i, I am feeling currently probably much higher on the state of Survivor as a franchise than I have been in quite some time. See, that last thing is the one that I will actually defend them on because we have seen, and not to uh, beat the dead horse that is Australian Survivor at this stage, but I feel like 
every time that that is mentioned in passing, I feel obligated to remind people that, yeah, th this is not some shining beacon of uh, what all uh, national and international survivors should be. It has very high highs, also incredibly low lows. And that is a great case study in just what uh, 90 minute episodes can do, but also just how it is possible to waste that time if you don't have a good sense of how to fill it. And I think there are ways in which if you just aren't up to the job in that sense, that however much time they give you, you will find ways to fill it in ways that somehow still do not tell the story properly. And at least so far, I am pretty pleased with the way that they've been uh, telling the story that they have to tell. I think my issue more so compared to you is with the people involved in that story and just the uh, the, the game that is occurring around it and, and so on, where I, I think this is a fine cast, but it feels like every season of this new era, you come in here and said basically the same thing about, well, they've outdone themselves yet again somehow, but what, what another amazing cast. And I think there are certainly, I think there's less, uh, to use the, the same uh, framing, I think the highs maybe are not necessarily higher, but they're up there and the lows are higher too in the sense of, you know, you don't have as many of the the, the purpled contestants or the people who you wonder how they ever made it through casting in the first place, although maybe some of that, more more in a second. Uh, but if you took uh, one of the new era casts and lined it up against one of the, and really choose your era here, but uh, certainly I think pound for pound, better than a lot of the uh, like teens and twenties and so on, but I, I don't know if this is a definitive shift for the better. And once you get into the specifics of uh, uh, the castmates and the tribes, like it's there are just so many people who after three 90 minute episodes. So uh, do do the boy math. I don't know what that means for uh, the average uh, survivor season. We still don't know basically anything about them. And some of that is just the way the game has gone, where you have the clusterfuck tribe also losing every challenge and going to every tribal castle. So, of course, your attention is going to be there. And when uh, the other two tribes, not just one, are fighting for the, the table scraps left over, then, sure, I, the, you, you aren't going to know too much about the, the J Myers of the world and so on. Although even there, you're starting to see some of those uh, statistical uh, records uh, come back into, into view. So I, I don't know if this is... A, an all-time great cast or yet another example of modern casting at its best i think it's it's a fine cast but if you you go into you know your preferences your power rankings you get down into who's my 12th favorite uh survivor 45 cast member i don't know if you're going to remember that person's name uh two or three years from now you may indeed be right and i will absolutely grant that you are right that during particularly like oh, thank the, you that yes the early episodes of a lot of the new era seasons I have come in feeling like they were off to an excellent start. And then as the game progressed, I would say it was largely like the twist design that really uh, brought me down on those seasons over the course of them. There's a lot to unpack, I would say, in terms of the ups and downs, the benefits and costs of 90-minute episodes. But I personally, to address the Australian survivor of it all, agree with your general contention that maybe uh, if we start heading south, the floor could actually be much lower than it would be with 60 minutes as well, and that that pendulum kind of swings both ways. I am personally totally comfortable saying that I have, frankly, like far more faith in the U.S. 
editors to understand how to make the most of those 90 minutes. And a lot of that has to do with the relative balance of the cast. Like I had, so to be honest, I stopped watching Australian survivor altogether several years ago at this point, almost entirely because the editing was just not doing it for me at all. Although I have gone on to see every so often, like the confessional charts where it's like, they're down to the final six players or thereabouts. And like three of them have had 10 total confessionals over the course of 20 episodes. And these two other people have had a hundred each like the, that. I do not think is something that we are at risk of having happen on us survivor in modern times. Although things like that have certainly happened in the past. Uh, I, I just cannot shake the feeling that, the ceiling with 90 minute episodes is so much higher in my view than it could ever realistically be with 60 minute episodes. And I do think that the editing and storytelling on us survivor in modern times thus far has done a job in filling that time. Well, in my view that, I mean, exceeding my expectations doesn't even begin to do it justice i there was a time over like this summer or whatever where part of me was very nervous that the 90 minute episodes would just mean 30 additional minutes of the things i didn't care about in the first place but it has been the complete opposite of that they have not done anything in terms of like scaling up the amount of time that challenges or tribal councils or advantage explanation takes it is exclusively at least to this point from my perception of it i haven't like done the i haven't had a stopwatch with me the whole time sorry uh it feels to me like the extra time is being devoted almost exclusively to exactly what i would like to see it being devoted to and that is one of the most pleasant surprises i could have possibly drawn up i do think there are seasons where frankly there's just not that much going on and you would struggle to fill uh 90 minutes just as they struggle to fill the 60 minutes that they had to work with instead and for seasons that frankly uh uh clear that that low bar i I think that there there is a danger that this could be uh, an excuse or if they actually feel desperate about how do we fill this then that's going to push them even further in the direction of there have to be a new twist at, at every turn and everything has to involve some kind of uh decision or some weird angle just to just to uh provide this momentary distraction to fill the time as opposed to telling a coherent story across that time across all the episodes uh as you say i think this season has avoided that fate so far but if you want to be a doomsayer about that i think you you have some material to work with um and then when it comes to the cast themselves you you can uh go person by person but i think uh broadly if you have a criticism of modern trends and casting when it comes to firstly just it being all super fans and the super fans seeming to essentially all feel the same way about the show and that really overriding most of the differences in you know personality and so on that could exist or, or have existed on survivor in the past and how to make the show what it is then i think this season is i mean doubling down even further on that than most of the others in the new era and uh, our first two boots here in hannah and brandon are uh, they they certainly fit into that narrative, and we'll, we'll come back to them uh, before long. Uh, but I'm honestly uh, pleasantly surprised too that 
I, I know there was a lot of backlash around, for example, the personal story segments uh, in 43, which did not come back for 44, really. And although there, there was still a lot of that just uh, semi-organically or just occurring in confessionals. And I wonder if, you know, if you have more time to fill, if that's going to be a well that they just go back to, given that they essentially have centered entire seasons around that uh, now. And I wonder if, if they ever do find themselves desperate just for content, for lack of a better word, that that's uh, an easy uh, thing to rely on. So I agree with that potentially being a concern down the line. And that is what I was nervous was going to be the case. I, like I didn't hate the like backstory packages nearly as much as it seemed like they eventually started bothering some other people. I think the issue with the backstory packages was that, virtually all of them were about just here's the trauma that brought me to this point and that's what I'm playing for. And I don't think that sort of thing is interesting when it's every single person, every single season. So that may be a well that they return to down the line. But uh, so far, I feel like they've done a good job introducing these contestants more organically. Uh, and so that certainly leaves me optimistic about just kind of the pace that we're at to this point. And I also agree with your theoretical idea about this potentially getting flipped on its head in terms of we're only casting super fans and th things along those lines may of course not always be as fantastic as they seem, but from the perspective of, yeah, you know, in the past, there have been tons of seasons, perhaps, that at certain points, at least, did not have nearly as much going on as one would hope to fill 90-minute episodes. I think when you are casting almost exclusively super fans, it is, and on top of that, not only the cast, but like, and when the twists are legitimately interesting and uh, the players care a lot about making the most out of every opportunity they get, I think it's frankly going to be a cold day in hell before they find themselves sitting in the editing bay thinking, how are we going to fill this 90 minutes? I think the problem way, way, way more often than not is what can we cut out because we have too much that we would like to include? Yeah, if this is a necessary corrective to an era where all of the appealing like personal stuff and cam life stuff really had to be uh, left on the cutting room floor or kept to a minimum just in service of fitting more like mostly by the book uh, strategy talk in there, then great. I mean, if you can liven up the show and uh, make it offer more stuff to more people, fine. Uh, and it seems like I, I want to be optimistic about this and it seems like I would have reason to be as well. I'm just reserving judgment yet because I feel like so much of the season has focused on such a small sliver of people, just by necessity for the most part, that uh, until I see more of them and how they uh, can contribute and am I finding myself looking at my phone? I mean, probably yes, because that, that's what we all do these days. But should I find myself uh, glancing at my watch, uh, metaphorically, during the, the Blue Tribe or the Red Tribe segments, then we might have a problem. But for now, the, the, the glorious hot mess that is Lubu has, has mostly kept me uh, entertained and, and glued to my TV. Absolutely, yes. Uh, and you mentioned Hannah and Brandon. We will uh, for sure talk about them. I do, though, think that the place to start is with this most recent episode and uh, more generally, I think, 
the way to kind of efficiently catch up on the season to this point is probably just take it tribe by tribe. I get some thoughts out there on it. Virtually everyone, I would say there are a couple people that that may be uh, a little harder to come up with than others. Uh, and I'm optimistic that most of the pertinent kind of character stuff and game stuff from these first three episodes will just kind of come up in passing. So let me start with this, Dom. Episode three in particular. I take it you were not nearly as high as I am uh, on the season overall, but was this in your mind at least close to the way I have seen it described by others and the way I would describe it myself, I would imagine, uh, as at least among the single best episodes of the new era? Probably, yeah. I'm I'm willing to, to put it in that uh, in, in that rarefied air. I, I couldn't name offhand what are the others to compare it to. And then you get into this whole thing of pre-merge versus post-merge. And I feel like each season has one or two real signature episodes, which only really makes sense in the context of that season. So how does this line up against the Shan blindside or, uh, I don't know, uh, Jesse turning on Cody or whatever 44's version of that was, uh, which I, I can't dredge off my memory just at this moment. So I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it, uh, really compares to those but if you were to compare it i i would not feel embarrassed for you so th th there you go okay thank you i will now officially with dom's blessing compare it to the best episodes that have ever existed in the new era i loved this one uh although hated to see sabaya go uh while fully appreciating the way in which she went out i thought sabaya was one of the like front runners to be like a long haul power player on this season, probably up through about like 9:15 PM or so on Wednesday night. Uh, however, you know, losing her early while not fun for me is a sacrifice I'm willing to make when the result of that is a travel council, especially a four person travel council, as spectacular as this one was and i think a lot of that has to do with this new idol mechanic where you can sacrifice your own votes to make it last longer dom what are your thoughts on that i i think it has potential i don't know how quickly that grows old and there are a lot of twists like that i think where as a as a one-off it's like okay that, that's fun that's quirky but then if that becomes a recurring motif, uh, I, I don't know. For now, though, yeah, uh, thumbs up there. It is weird to be talking about a, a a tribal council where three votes were cast in episode three, which just e even on the seasons in the past that have had three tribes, and one of those has been noticeably uh, flopping more, more than the rest. Uh, really hard mathematically to just get to that point, but uh, that that is the world that we live in now. Oh, I, I can suppose. do you one better than the sorry to cut you off, but I'm now doing the math on it. There were three votes cast this week there were three votes cast last week and there were zero votes cast the first time so we've lost three people at three tribal councils with six total votes cast oh this has to be the fewest votes cast in a season by this equivalent point like by by a mile right it's, it's a it's a runaway i have to imagine that's correct yeah which i I don't know what you're meant to tease out of that stat, but just let, let, let it germinate in your brain for a little bit. But uh, I, I also really liked uh, Sabaya. I wanted to see her go a lot further. And maybe the thing that 
made her stand out to me was the fact that she was almost in the background a little bit more. I think in contrast to, uh, I mean, everyone here is a super fan these days, but in contrast to some of the super fans who they really almost can't contain themselves about the sheer fact that they are out there playing Survivor, uh, Sabaya, I, I'm sure, is thrilled to be there and it's as surreal for her as anyone else. But she, I like that she kept at least some of the stuff closer to... She like, kept some of her cards close and you know that that pairing with Caleb where he is much more of this like really outgoing charismatic leader and she is uh the kind of puppeteer working back in the shadows and to see them have this this clash where they finally tell on each other and that that could have been a Jesse and Cody moment that could have been one of these uh, like Ricard and Shan this could have been the the power couple if you'd had a uh, 11 a 90 minute episodes of this that could itself have gone down as this like iconic all-time survivor portrayal if it had happened at the late stages and so i'm kind of sad that it happened now because we don't get to see that that develop uh but for what it was like given that it happened this early you definitely felt the brunt of that uh really hard totally yeah uh i agree once again I feel like this has been my reaction to pretty much everything you've said this entire episode. I totally see where you're coming from, and you might be right that over time. No, tell tell me I'm wrong. Tell me <laughs> I'm uh, I'm a cynic who doesn't know how to love uh, television or myself anymore. Well, I'm getting there. I just don't want to hurt your feelings that directly. I'm going to do it more indigress indirectly and passive aggressively. I uh, I could see it potentially becoming stale down the line that you know if everyone goes out to every season knowing okay whoever finds an idol is going to sacrifice votes or not uh to potentially make it last longer i'm sure it will get less cool and kind of uh novel over time as anything does on survivor but i also could see it being the case that that is just the best way to do it like that is a fair trade-off it makes sense like incentive wise and it creates a bunch of interesting situations the way i feel like uh you know they tinkered around with the idol rules themselves in the early days before ultimately just landing on this is the the right time that we should have people playing idols and that's just how it's been ever since i agree that it will you know it will lose its luster after we've seen it for the 30th time instead of for the literal first time uh but i do think that that mechanism is quite promising uh what have you made uh to just quickly put a bow on the idols this season of the way that they are being found you know in the first couple seasons we had the like silly phrases that people had to say publicly and then the last couple seasons we had like the beads and the birdcage and so forth what do you make of the like return to complete these random tasks and then at least in Sabaya's case even when you get the idol there's still a little bit more to it are you liking the way that the idols are distributed this time around I'm a sucker for a good little subquest, and so yeah, I, I'm an easy sell for all of this stuff. Uh, the the wax thing with uh, Sabaya, that that I, I that was just Survivor like descending into fast, but in a good way, in a way that we really haven't seen much at all uh, uh, in the past. So more of that, and there's there's a fine line between that being entertaining and that just actually being like legitimately cringe or whatever but i for now yeah round of applause i i love that um that that was all great and i 
so it's worth noting that right now over on the patron feed we are rocketing through our pearl islands uh rewatch where there are some really interesting parallels between the early stages uh, with three episodes in there three episodes in here uh, of each of those seasons and also some big uh contrasts which those similarities almost make the, the differences more stark so yeah that, that season two tribes over three but you have this one tribe which seems almost doomed to failure has these people who seem just comically uh inept not cut out for survivor you wonder how they made it on the show at all and then you have these uh these tribal councils there which are very formulaic very uh you you know in advance either exactly who is going home or is one of these two people who are basically the same person for the sake of that discussion and the rest of the episode really carries it and you're you're not feeling let down or like any steam is coming out of uh, the, the season by the end. But you, you worry about what what if there is a, a dull episode and also a dull tribal council? Is is there gonna is it gonna feel like it lags? And I think that's a much bigger concern when you have 90 minutes to fill instead of 60. And so uh, the, I, I get the impulse to spice up even the first tribal council all the way through uh, the very end. And even if nothing weird happens the fact that something weird could happen at least you can use that uh if you need to to kind of energize a, a dull tribal and so far i mean they they haven't disappointed uh, they haven't had to spice it up at all i mean they the cast has more than uh delivered at least here you you can debate uh how you feel about uh the, the first two episodes but certainly this makes up for for lost time on that front yeah and incidentally uh, I I think the shot in the dark actually functions really well in serving the purpose of basically what you just talked about of even if it doesn't get played or even if it gets played and it doesn't get hit, we can at least build some sort of suspense about each of those outcomes before they are conclusively in. And on top of that, like the players themselves have to wonder about their targets playing their shots in the dark, etc. cetera. I, I think a lot of effort has been put into avoiding as best they can, that exact kind of dynamic that you just laid out. Uh, although Dom, I think in the case of Sabaya here, this time around, I, I would attribute it not so much to Caleb, like so coldly betraying her, uh, I would attribute it to Caleb getting word that she was trying to betray him, and that word came from Emily. Emily is the person that I feel like I would be giving the lion's share of the credit to in terms of this tribal council being as good as it has been. She has certainly not been uh, one of the people kind of pushed to the back burner, at least thus far on this season. Where are you on Emily through these first three episodes? So uh, I love the and th this I, th this is a uh, a pan gender concept, but for whatever reason, w whenever it's the women in particular who really are gaming hard, but doing so in kind of a grimy way, and people don't like them, and they kind of know that, but that makes them even more motivated to go on some revenge tour. I, I love that. That is it, it's a it's a rare archetype. You can't really go out looking for those people necessarily, but when you find them, you have a uh, guaranteed tv god and uh have loved emily there so far and conversely like caleb also is another one of these archetypes i love of the like really charismatic cocky guy who if he can keep it together and and uh walk the walk as much as he talks the talk then he's gonna be a truly impressive player but instead like people kind of see through his 
his charm and his luster, and they know that he's dangerous. And the question is, when do they let him know that they know that? Uh, so, uh, like, Tevin in Survivor South Africa kind of comes to mind, or uh, all, all these people who, you know, probably this is all going to come crashing down at some point, but you're excited to see either that or to see them actually pull it off. And e- either way, it's, it's going to be a fun ride. Totally, yeah. Uh, to before Quickly, before we transition over to Caleb, I did just want to say about Emily, uh, I was certainly one of the many people who, as soon as I saw Emily in the premiere, immediately was getting like big time chaos cast vibes. Uh, and apparently like her personality quiz survey, whatever they did pregame, uh, was like very much in line with Cass's as well. And uh, I was like, it turned out I was like the 10,000th person to make that observation. Uh, it, and as usual, I went into this season just like, completely cold on the cast i did no preseason uh research or listening or reading or whatever i and so i'm always like i'm just gonna put out a blanket sorry if all of these things have already been discussed to death like uh, a million times but uh given the kind of like bar that i had set for her based on just like my first impression i would have thought that you know this time two weeks ago there was very little chance of Emily pulling off anything even close to this move she did this week. But I think the critical distinction, uh, as it turns out, between Emily and Cass is Emily does seem very self-aware and Emily does seem very good at making compelling points to those around her about why they should do the things that she wants them to do. And I think that is ultimately what led to Sabaya's incredible kind of undoing this time around and so uh to just kind of wrap up on emily i feel like she is not only like such an interesting character who is always uh as far as i can tell at this pace at least going to be like delivering from just a sheer tv perspective i also now feel like the ceiling for emily within the game is much much higher than I did a couple of weeks ago. Uh, So I think Emily has got to be one of like the big standouts of the entire cast to this point. So I'm keen to see what happens once she breaks out of the the Lulu containment zone and gets to interact with the people on the other tribes and what they make of her, what she makes of them, if she can uh, pick up on what uh, they make of her and and vice versa. Like, I I think that just that first kind of point of contact is going to be really fun to watch. I will say it has irked me already how so many people are consciously playing to the camera. Like when uh, the three tribes get to the mat and uh, Jeff makes the routine. That's been voted out of the last tribal and invariably someone is just gasping, covering their face and uh, in, uh, you know, contrived shock and all. And it's like, okay, if it was anyone else, maybe you have a reason about this person that is explaining this. What is Brandon, who, who you have watched just uh, flop harder than anyone who has flopped historically. You're really being a game changer here uh, at the challenges. Are you are you stunned? Are you shocked and appalled that he got voted out? Or are you just mugging for the camera as if you're doing some like YouTube thumbnail reaction face? That is a perfect parallel. It does feel like that is exactly what uh, people are doing from time to time. And I will also say, uh, while we are nowhere near that point, on this season yet uh, that has been a gripe of mine for a long time as things pertain to jurors giving like very over the top facial expressions like clearly just mugging for the camera there uh dom 
let's get into Caleb a little bit more here. And I totally agree with what you have said about Caleb to this point. I think in the short term, he is an immensely interesting player with a ton of potential to go many, many different directions. But I do wonder about Caleb, especially having seen him go and visit that red team after Lulu won the right to do so, if pretty much everyone on that island already knows Caleb is someone we're going to have to contend with sooner or later. Like, I, I guess what I'm getting at is I feel like Caleb, based on what I have seen so far, would basically have to be Tommy Sheehan to get away with staying in the game longer than like final eight, final seven thereabouts. Like it, to me, it is not a matter of if, but when he stands out as clearly just one of the tallest poppies left in the game. And that is, I, gonna, I think, going to be a big problem based on how most of the new era vote outs post merge have worked. And frankly, how just Survivor, I feel like, functions on a theoretical level. Like this is a game about threat level mitigation. And I have a very difficult time seeing Caleb in many cases through no fault of his own uh but also in many cases because of some of his own faults mitigating his threat level for deep into an end game virtually ever and i think it's much more entertaining watching the caleb's of the world uh always be on the precipice of just watching their game collapse from underneath them when people compare notes as opposed to the tommy sheehan's who i look i think tommy is an incredibly effective player i i i suppose respect the clinical efficiency of his social game but it's pretty pretty dull to watch and so yeah give, give me if we're talking about uh improvements in casting i suppose yeah give give me uh the chaos of the world uh, any day of the week tommy sheehan is one of the most underrated survivor players of all time in my in my view and i say that fully aware of the fact that he won the game close to unanimously i uh, either that's not a rabbit hole we need to go down right now uh dom let me ask about our last surviving member here of the remnants of lulu as we enter this swap sean must have been going through just a roller coaster over these first whatever it's been six or seven days right like this whole thing when you stop and just think about what this experience has been like from sean's perspective to this point that has got to be one of the wilder like opening weeks of survivor that anyone has ever gone through yeah there was a brief moment where i thought he was going to be the caleb or maybe the tommy sheehan uh figure but it, instead he has kind of found this role as the, the 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 psychic who's who's there and is he is game for whatever you guys want to do and he he will uh support it 100 he's got that team spirit uh he he's there uh for for the long haul but i he does seem at least savvy enough to to know when a ship is sinking and jump off it so i am keen to see if he actually does that or if he uh just kind of re retreats behind that uh facade again for now but yeah he, he there seems to be a lot of people out there who really viscerally dislike sean in a way that i, I don't know if it's just they also disliked a lot of the other people who have gone out and he's the only one left who project whatever this weird emotion is onto. But I, I don't know. I, I don't really feel any kind of way about Sean, but I, I thought he was going to be someone completely different. And so far he has uh, 
he hasn't disappointed. I wouldn't put it that way, but he, he's been something else, and I'm not quite sure what it is yet. I have been personally very impressed with Sean's ability to ingratiate himself with, it seems like, pretty much everyone. I don't think, uh, even though they didn't vote with him last time, it doesn't seem to me like either of Caleb or Emily would be too reluctant to work with Sean if they end up swapping on to the same tribe here. And with the swap in mind, I think Sean might be in like the single most compelling position to me, uh, where he has now gone to every tribal council thus far and thus has what I would consider a, a critical and perhaps underrated amount of like scrambling to figure out what's going on with the vote kind of experience that no one on either of the other tribes has, including our returning player, Bruce, who never even went to a single vote his first time around. And on top of the experience, I mean, he has a ton of information. He has zero blood on his hands at this point, and he does not owe anything to anyone that he has played with. Uh, as far as I would be concerned, this is just about as good of a situation as one could draw up entering a swap. So uh, I, I continue to be very interested in what Sean is going to have going on for us later on. Uh, Dom? I, I will say, I think on on a tribe which is up there with one of the, uh, all of the other greatest clusterfucks of all time, you know, what the, the Luzons of the world, and uh, we, it really is in that territory, I think. Um, I think the, the individual personalities might be more... Uh, functional I, I suppose than than some of those all-time greats but I, I don't think in that context with a tribe of only six which has already dwindled down uh to three i don't think it's any great achievement to just not step on many toes like if you if you know what you're doing uh maybe it's easier said than done when we've seen people fail to do it but I, I think that so far he he hasn't really been tested in in that way and i think this swap is like that that first test and we'll, we'll see uh you know what once the pencils are down if if he passes we we will indeed. Uh, Dom, I, I, I do think uh, we would be remiss not to talk about the other people that we have lost from the Yellow Tribe at this point. And frankly, there may be more to say about them than there are than there is at this point about at least a few of the people on these other teams. Uh, we had I guess let's go reverse chronologically here. We had Brandon go out at that second episode. How did you feel like? I think I can guess how you feel like things went for Brandon out there, but how did you feel about just Brandon and his own perception of the experience? Because it seems like Brandon, I went through something that a lot of survivor super fans, I think would consider like among the like disaster scenarios. And like, if it's going to go that way, I would rather just not be on the show at all it seems like brandon has had the complete opposite takeaway and that like simply being on survivor for any length of time was what it was all about so uh what did you make of brandon's run on this season and the way that he has handled it it seems like uh almost hor historically like unparalleled with all of the post game of it all so i i say this with the caveat that I, I don't know Brandon well, but I, I've known of him like since he was uh, a, a mere teen, you know, in these Facebook groups and you know, his love of Survivor shone through very clearly there. And I've also heard only fantastic things about the guy in real life. But I, I while I'm glad that the the stories that end this way 
I would rather see uh, Brandon's Donlon than than Jacob's Derwin, if you like. I I think there is something a little, I guess, contrived about it, where it, it fits very much into this new era mentality of just being on Survivor at all is this amazing accomplishment and this amazing story and this 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 lifetime uh, defining moment, and that also is almost impossible to fail at Survivor in any substantial way. Like you. You can only be failed. You you cannot fail. And so um, even the people who end up getting blindsided because they played their way out or they they got betrayed horribly or they misread their their allies, they misused their advantage, whatever it is. There's never any sense now of, yeah, I I messed up and I'm mad about it and I'm mad at myself and this is going to haunt me for a long time because of how much Survivor means to me. Instead, it's all swept under the rug it seems as well isn't survivor so great and i'm happy just to be here and and gee golly wasn't that amazing and these people don't exist for my benefit as a viewer like they they don't exist so that if they do fail i get to derive any like perverse satisfaction from watching that but i think that if you want survivor to be a show that feels like it has meaningful stakes aside from just the cash value of the prize at the end then it has to be one that can actually cause pain to people or where people can feel like they failed or where Jeff, as the official host of the show, not to jump uh, forward to, to to the Hannah of it all, can, not that he should be doing this and it's, it's messed up that he did for so long, but he's almost become the impartial, uh, like happy Uncle Jeff, the people thought they wanted him to be back then, but maybe we didn't know what we were wishing for. Uh, and... Like I, I'm glad that Brandon does sincerely seem to feel that he uh, he got what he wanted out of this experience. But d- did he want to go to be the second boot and to be mocked on the internet as being this historical all-time bad challenge performer who also was failing at the puzzles and so on? Like I I think that we I, I don't know I I I don't like the trend where being a super fan of survivor is your entire survivor story and once you're out there it's like it just becomes a snake eating its own tail where the experience of being on survivor is just talking about how great it is to finally be on survivor because you love survivor so much and i would i want to see at least a sprinkling of the you know the the me-head former athletes who they don't really give a shit about survivor but this is just a cool new challenge and something to do now that they're bored in retirement with their uh giant piles of money um and if they fail a survivor well that sucks because they're competitive and some of them are kind of assholes honestly but uh that that drive that forces them to compete makes it compelling to watch either way and i i think it's healthy to have people for whom they they don't need to tell themselves that survivor was this great experience and everything they wanted if they go our second because they were not that invested in Survivor in the first place. I think we actually do need more of that now. And I'm not saying go back to the Magda era, but to me, Brandon's story, more so than Brandon himself, it, it's kind of reflect a reflection on just how the cast kind of blend together for me nowadays, because everyone has the same attitude about the show. And when they do, like when they accidentally cast a, you know, a Sydney from 41 or something, you get such a sanded down version of who that person is that it feels like, there's never any like disappointment or conflict, uh, whether it's with it, with other people, with yourself. It's just, well, we're also happy to be here, and oh well, I guess only one of us can win, but uh, we're all gonna be so happy for that person that, because we're all one big happy family. Like, mm, 
then it becomes a little too saccharine for me at some point. Okay, so I have not had the pleasure of being in any Facebook groups with Brandon. I have, though, uh, followed him on Twitter for many, many years. He's a hysterical dude who's one of my favorite survivor tweeters and has been uh, for quite some time. I see certainly where you are coming from, that it almost feels like even under the worst case scenario, the, uh, okay, let me let me figure out how to, the, the the idea I'm trying to get at is when one takes the Brandon approach to Survivor, it almost feels like they are putting themselves in a position where it is a complete free roll and that perhaps detracts from the stakes from an audience perspective. I don't think, though, that it bothered me to certainly nearly the same extent uh, as it sounds like it may have with you and i'm not even sure if it bothered me at all like in my mind i think even if they keep casting nothing but super fans for the foreseeable future most of the people who get the kind of brandon donlin experience uh like the equivalent of that on future seasons will not take it as well as he did like i think brandon will years from now continue to stand out as uh like a, a big time outlier along those lines i did though dom uh to your credit wonder to myself a couple of things uh first of all i wondered if it went like so terribly along so many different lines that the like over the top perhaps being cool with every single thing that happened it never at all struck me as inauthentic on his end, but I, it, it did cross my mind, and this is 100% speculation on my part, if uh, it may be to some extent, at least, even if it's a minor one, kind of like a, a subconscious like coping mechanism. Uh, and on top sure, of that, sure. I also think it is very possible that because everything like went like Brandon is a guy who appreciates comedy this much. I am absolutely certain of because everything went like so comically bad for him. If that might actually be badly for him, sorry. Uh, if that might actually be one of the easier circumstances to accept. And like, if he did make it all the way down to the end game and be and find himself like, in a position where he has like a very decent amount of like win equity and he just needs one or two things to break his way and they don't, I could certainly see it being the case that like under those sorts of circumstances where his hopes are up much higher than they ever were, I would imagine at any point this time around, if it's very possible that Brandon Donlin could certainly come away from a season of Survivor feeling regrets or feeling pain uh, about how things went it just never it, like it was so far from even getting to that point that the uh potential letdown never even like crossed his mind yeah i think there's something to be said too for if you leave that early that that in itself can be this crushing disappointment but also to a degree you haven't had any time to form the kind of really close uh situational bond that if that person betrays you or if that person beats you in the end, that can really tear you apart in a way that, well, yeah, well, it starts to be the third boot. But to some extent, 
everyone else can forget that and so maybe i can forget it too whereas yeah if you are the the, the shan to their ricard or something or lots of other examples will come to mind then yeah you you can see why that would really haunt you for uh for, for years after the fact um i also does any part of you so you are the one who when you watch people uh turn up to this fire for fire making challenge and it seems like they can't make fire somehow even when the survival aspect of the show and now also the most important challenge of the show both involve that as a uh, central element you are the one raking them over the proverbial coals which they can't keep lit um does any part of you feel like if you are a super duper mega fan of survivor and you know and i think brandon was through a few casting cycles uh, in advance of this that like to some extent, do you have the same responsibility to actually go through, maybe not go full Carson, but you've got to practice for the challenges somehow and not be uh, as historic a uh, flop in those challenges as only people like you could know that you were because you know all the history and you can recite the uh, all of the details there back to front. Yes, uh, that is a thought that I had as well. Yeah, and it's it's hard to escape that thought, I think. And if it is... It's almost less about Brandon and more that it feels like there are so many Brandons these days and every season is teaming with Brandons that like this is almost the go-to casting archetype over and above uh, everyone else. And if it wasn't Brandon, well, maybe it was going to be Drew or something instead. And now Drew is going to be a variant of the the casting or something in his own right. And I, I don't know. It seems like there is a need for some kind of different attitude uh in in some capacity and i i don't think you're going to see too much of that anytime soon um what others I, we can circle back to hannah quickly if you like was there anything else on uh brandon's uh sadly short-lived uh story arc that you wanted to to get into here no other than to just say uh obviously could have gone a lot better but i am happy that he has taken it so well and that he got that opportunity in the first place but yes let's indeed get into hannah our episode one elimination uh, i i don't think there's virtually anyone debating whether or not this was a quit i think the debate is about how justified the quit was uh dom where do you land on that uh who does she have to justify it to like is it me is it jeff is it uh whoever's in charge of casting these days like who whose test is she ha- having to pass it right so i guess in uh the way that i was framing it what I meant was there are, it seems like, or at least were, I don't know how many people are still thinking about Hannah, uh, but there was a lot of discussion about is she just being weak or is she doing the smart and responsible thing and recognizing I am not having a good time here. I'm not going to make it the distance. The The move is don't take this opportunity away from someone who actually wants to be here. Right, which some would argue she did by uh, arriving on the cast, taking a spot that could have gone to someone else instead. But once you're there, if you're going to apply that logic, then yeah, the responsible thing to do is bow out and let the people who, uh, because they're all super fans, now they all want it a lot. Like they all are invested in being there. Um, You can let them uh, have their day instead. I think so... If you want to see pain from Brandon Donlin, sorry, but have him get voted out at that first tribal council and then have Hannah quit the next time. That that I would imagine would cause him pain. Yes, I'm glad we didn't get to see uh, that that timeline at least. But 
yeah, I, I think she she doesn't need to justify it. But it is interesting how, I, I mean, quitters have never been popular. But I think the reasons for that have shifted over time because in the days of the Nayonka and Purple Kelly double quit, or uh, even going back to, to tie this in again to our Pearl Island rewatch, the uh, Austin Taylor, the original uh, quitter. Um, I think the fan base at the time, so with with Austin, he was the first, so all of the reactions are kind of emerging from that. But by the time you get to, you know, Nayonka and Purple Kelly, there's this narrative of, well, they, they never cared about this in the first place. How dare they... Uh, besmirch the name of the show even further by quitting and if only they cast more super fans people like me and you who are uh, more invested in this whole experience uh, and valued it uh, uh, more then they would at least know uh, to to tough it out and I think we're seeing that that that's not necessarily true and I think there are a lot of people who honestly have the same uh, desire to quit and come pretty close to quitting and frankly if it was more convenient for them to quit or they knew that it was not going to be televised somehow that they would be on the first boat home um they would you know do what sandra did and, and raise the proverbial uh mass at edge of extinction um but many of them decline to do that and go from that point of uh you know they go from that nadir to become like these defining figures and characters and players on their season uh, so the holly hoffman's the aubrey's the kathy fabric o'brien's and so on and so forth uh, and that is I think often a pretty compelling storyline, but you have to show those people almost get to the brink first for that to have any emotional uh, weight later on. Um, so when Hannah follows through and actually quits, I, I'm not mad at her necessarily, but it's interesting that now a lot of the people who are mad at her are some of the former alumni who uh, I, I think historically have always held it against other cast members who quit. Uh, and that, I guess, kind of makes sense. But also from the fan base, the the attitude these days is you uh you're not a real super fan or you're taking spots away from the super fans like me who hey isn't the show meant to be for super fans these days that's my spot uh maybe they're not saying it in quite as stark as terms as that but that's effectively what the mentality is it's like that could be me because the show is explicitly for those people like me these days and so why am i not the person like me that's out there or you know like and if it's not you, maybe it's the Brandon Dolans of the world who uh, you know would value that chance so much. And why isn't that another Brandon Dolan there in place of Hannah, right? Um, so it, it goes from a place of these people aren't invested at all, and that's the problem, to these people are meant to be invested the way that I am, and they are, but why aren't they living up to that in the way that I'd like to think that I would if I was out there? Yeah, that's a, a very good point in my mind. Uh, as far as I was concerned with Hannah, obviously would rather not have someone cast on the show in general who is inclined to go out there and quit as soon as they get out there. But I get it from Hannah's perspective of you, as far as I would be concerned, you, Dom, and you, everyone out there, there is no one who could truly grasp what being on Survivor is actually going to be like before they actually go out and do it themselves. And as like for my money, I do not think that Hannah quitting was a weak decision by any stretch. I, I come firmly down on the side that that is a difficult thing to have to do. Like she knows that this is not going to be well received at all. And she is to some extent being 
pretty selfless in making that choice when, as far as I've heard, uh, she was in no real danger of being eliminated not only that night, but any night in the foreseeable future. It seemed like other than her own ability to be comfortable in that environment, the game itself was going pretty well for her. Uh, as far as I've seen and heard at like, as, as far as I would be concerned, it is unfortunate that there's no way to have some sort of advanced knowledge of what your body is going to be telling you when you're actually out there on survivor on day one, two, three, whatever it was. But I would hope that anyone who finds themselves in that sort of position in the future would do exactly what Hannah did and be honest with themselves and not take the opportunity away from any more people than they already have. And by the way, the number of people that Hannah took the opportunity away from is one. It was like if she had figured this out pregame, they would have put they have alternates on location, one person, and that person knows exactly who they are. It's not you. <laughs> Whoever's saying they took my spot, it isn't you. Uh, unless you're that, I, unless you're that one I, specific person. I did enjoy uh, Hannah's retort that all of the people messaging her these like incredibly angry and bitter messages. I'm not stealing your spot because you wouldn't have passed a psych exam. Like <laughs> really hard to uh, <laughs> to, to to come back after that point. But I, I do and like tying Hannah and Brandon together here. I do almost wonder what is the point of the whole survival and physical aspect of survivor these days and i don't mean that as someone who historically i am the one uh checking my phone at, at an even more compulsive rate during the challenges uh and so on but just as someone who when i go back and watch the old seasons that uh care about their location and their theme and they are uh leaning into that including uh the way that the challenges are built and just the everyday uh kind of uh motifs that decorate the show these days when none of that is, uh, it is as far removed from being a core part of the show as it ever has been, what is the point of it, really? Like, it's not emphasized in the show other than whatever weird joy Jeff takes in taking Tribe Flint away to, uh, week after week. And so if that is a pretty marginal aspect of the experience and the whole survival thing is consciously like on the back burner and the challenges are just the same challenges that we use every season and that's kind of the point although i guess they're rowing back on that now because of carson's whole 3d printer uh episode then i guess why are we here instead of just in i mean you could say like the mountain that they use for the traitors or uh the, the set of the timer hotel or something but it doesn't have to be that grand like why are we not just in the big brother house what what is the unique virtue uh, that the, uh, the the same Fijian landscape is actually offering to the show at this point. So for me, it is totally incidental. They could be on an island. They could be in the Time Hotel. They could be in the Big Brother house, and I would not care. It is the game that is interesting to me. However, I have long, long maintained that the survivor they had in mind when designing the show like mark burnett and charlie parsons or whoever else was central in developing the format in the first place i think they showed up and richard hatch specifically led to them getting something much different than they were necessarily thinking would be the case when 
doing uh like the initial design in the first place like i think the reason survivor is in the jungle or on an island or wherever it is from season to season now always in fiji obviously uh i think the design of the show was these people do have to suffer and like the day-to-day camp life is going to be a major factor in who gets to stay and who leaves and then richard hatch showed up and flipped that whole thing on its head and it was immediately clear despite what i would imagine would be what the producers had in mind that what people do around camp is almost entirely irrelevant as long as they're willing to vote with you and it doesn't matter how good they are around camp if they're not willing to vote with you they are not worth keeping around uh to me dom the outdoorsy element which is something i believe mark burnett himself is like a diehard fan of in general like his other show was eco challenge like he he dresses like crocodile dundee even though it turns out he's been british all along which i didn't find out until like 2018 i forever thought mark burnett was this like australian bush ranger type of guy no, uh, it, it, there's is mark burnett is hugh laurie anyone you know could be british colin is uh, there, there's a jump scare lurking around every corner horrifying uh but the the reason i think is it happens to be on an island because that was what they were going for in the first place. And the game that they actually got was not the one that they intended. Sure, but that was 20 years ago and 45 seasons ago. And it seems like the show has, uh, it could have lent into that much further. It could have made trade-offs to embrace the fact that this is a survival challenge above all else. It has not done that. I'm glad that it has not done that. But given that, why are we still here? You know, what, what, what is the whole point here? It's been 23 years. Like, I, I think it would be just way too jarring on the audience. And on top of that, I think the casuals do like the island element uh, and the like these people are suffering out there and can't make fire and are sitting there in the rain. Like, I, I do think that to people unlike us, there is a significant appeal to that sort of thing that would not be present were this taking place in the big brother house yeah and and brandon is someone who i would love to see in the big brother house that seems like his natural habitat much more so than the actual uh conditions of fiji which are i guess just the same season by season now and so given that i would expect some greater uh predictive ability i guess among casting to to suss out who actually has what it takes to to hack it in that environment and who doesn't and I don't think it's the worst thing, honestly, if people like Hannah and Brandon slip through the net. And uh, if not, none, uh, no one like that ever does, then you are probably controlling too hard for that and giving up on some people who could make great TV, which ultimately is the goal above all else. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, it feels like the the whole, but both Hannah and Brandon's story feel just sadly too predictable in a lot of ways and not in a way that I'm not sure what, what to do with. Okay, so I think you actually just made the point I would have made if I had been smart enough to think of it, which is, I think if this sort of thing was never happening, it would be exclusively because they are playing it too conservatively with the casting, and uh, in so doing, would be like shutting the door on themselves from getting the Holly Hoffman-esque kind of incredible stories that do absolutely come up every so often 
Yes, although that doesn't uh, sweep the issue away, I think. Like, I, I don't, I'm not going to say, oh, well, actually, it's a good thing that uh, on this side of the ledger, we have uh, Hannah and Brandon, but on the other side, we get the uh, the the redemption arcs that, that have uh, proved so iconic over time. I'd like to think you can actually have one without the other. Uh, I, I'm not going to tell them how or how to do their jobs, but I don't know. It, it seems like they are almost selecting for the type of people who uh, are likely to be consumed by anxiety out there and to have that kind of override the rest of the experience for them and to realize once they get out there that I I thought this was for me. I've dreamed about this so much, but actually it, it really isn't. Um, it feels like once you uh, make the show about that type of person, well, inevitably you will get more people like that for better or for worse. So I, I guess the final counterpoint I would make is how far back do we have to go to find the most recent quitter before Hannah? And like, I, I, to be honest, my memory is hazy of whatever went on with B on David versus Goliath. But I think prior to that, at least was Julie on San Juan del Sur, who I don't think Julie ever even pretended that she really wanted to be there in the first place. She was just there because John Rocker was there. I like, as far as I can tell, this is the, literal first instance of the of someone quitting in the post super fan exclusive kind of casting era the most uh, intriguing thing about this whole saga to me is how mellow jeff seems to have become about the the entire concept of quitting so uh that pearl adams rewatch we haven't got to the infamous uh, austin quit yet but jeff was apoplectic uh, about that uh, he, he felt like like it really was a, a black mark against the show, just tarnish everything about it for him, uh, and re- refuse essentially to give Austin the time of day to give him the the usual exit that someone who was voted out uh, would get. And for a lot of the other quitters over time, like certainly with Neonka and Purple Kelly, I mean that was maybe two at once. I think would have riled something up in him, even if he could mostly handle just one person calling a quiz. Uh, and then over time, I think he has mellowed even though jeff by all accounts is still uh quite a foul mouth behind the scenes is very willing to uh order the cameras to stop and to chew people out who he feels are letting down their uh their part whether it's just not giving him the kind of analogy he wants at tribal council or really anything else and so to see him and i i don't know if hannah has said that actually jeff was uh just tearing her limb from limb behind the scenes but it really seems like uh jeff has gotten over it and i don't know if if that's a good side if that's a uh, you know if that's part of his new transformation or part of the 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 philosophy of the new era or if jeff is just kind of uh meddled with age now he, he is showing his age finally we thought it would ever happen but that time has finally come too yeah i i'm sure part of it is just jeff being not necessarily a different person than he was during the early years of Survivor, but having a different perspective uh, in many different ways, both on and off the Survivor set, uh, and probably over time gaining increasingly more sympathy for the people who do get out there and come to the conclusion that like this is just simply not for me. I think it, when that sort of thing like was happening for the first time like it was with austin 20 years ago or and probably even well into like the nayanka and purple kelly sort of territory it was something he'd never really contended with before uh and 
I understand why his impulse would be to like draw a hard line in the sand and say, this is simply not acceptable. If you want to be on a show like this, like you should have known uh, and we messed up having you on here in the first place. I think Jeff in modern times has just seen so much now that he is uh, more willing to at least be far less of a hard ass than he was 20 years ago. Although to be clear, I don't think Jeff likes when it happens at all, nor will he ever. And I certainly don't think he likes when it happens in a big season premiere episode. Uh, like I, that to me is one of the most disastrous times to have someone quit from like a TV producer perspective, but also from my like TV viewer perspective and uh, attempting to be a sympathetic person perspective if someone finds themselves out there on day one and is saying this is not at all what i had in mind i do not want to be here i would strongly encourage them to just get out straight away uh okay i i i do think as well though final thought on this whole uh topic here but i think there were many people uh always on the show but i think much more so in the past who they didn't officially quit but they had effectively given up and they went through the motions and in some cases almost uh explicitly asked their tribe mates to let them go through the motions of being voted out at tribal but in terms of their participation on the season them competing for the million dollars them trying to uh be a character be a player like that no more of that was going to happen and so it was just a matter of time I think that was probably a lot more common in old school Survivor, however you uh, define that cutoff, than it was these days. But what, one artifact of people really being invested in the experience is the people who are out there do, in fact, want to be out there until uh, their, their last moment there, uh, regardless of whether they can actually do, do anything about their impending fate. I think you were totally right about that. Uh, and I am, at least personally, happy that we are at the point now where the people who do find themselves feeling that way have the self-awareness and like confidence, I would say, that it takes to just take their own fate into their own hands and not deprive the experience or not deprive others of the experience. Like I think you could find many illustrations from the early and mid era of people functionally just giving up as you described and instead of being gone quickly they just sit there and detract from the game and the tv show for however many more episodes and literally no one benefits from that uh that i think is a far worse outcome than hannah just saying look this isn't for me i'm sorry but i gotta go uh okay so, Dom, we do, believe it or not, have a couple other tribes on this season, even though the bulk of the focus, understandably, has been on Lulu as they went to all three of these opening tribal councils here before the swap. But uh, we have gotten to see at least some of everyone uh, on these other two tribes as well. I guess let's start with the Red Tribe, where... and. To be upfront about this, I think we are probably going to have significantly less to say uh, about these other two tribes at this point, but hopefully the season continues to be as awesome as, at least for my money, it has been, and we can find ourselves back in here not too long from now with much more to say about a lot of these folks. Uh, let's get in, though, Dom, to our red team here, where, as far as I can tell, 
uh, in terms of what was going on pre-swap, we basically had this Drew and Austin pair, this D and Julie pair, Sifu like being hilarious but kind of doing his own thing, and then J Maya. Unfortunately, uh, I believe I saw Rob's fact checker tweet that she has been the most invisible new era contestant other than heather from survivor 41 at least through this point although obviously there's ample time for that uh to change my concern though is and uh the the same will be a concern of mine as things pertain to the blue team these teams never had to go to a vote they didn't necessarily have to show us any of these like political dynamics maybe they are being honest and straightforward uh, that it really was this Drew and Austin pair, this D and Julie pair, and these two kind of roaming free agents in this case. I do, though, wonder if a lot of this conceivably could either not, I don't think they are like retconning it based on what happens later or whatever. Obviously, they can't concoct the footage out of thin air, but it is very much on the table to me that we are missing a lot of what has gone on with both the red and blue teams. And these are just the narratives that are most conducive to whatever is about to come next. Yeah. And I do think that we have already, uh, even if let's say we end up with another uh, dominant blue team, you know, all of the end gamers are uh, the, the girls whose name begins with K and Brando and uh, that's Bruce's tribe as well. Right. Yeah. It's Bruce. Okay, cool. Like if, if those six end up just, dominating the season being most of the end gamers uh they will have at least already had more development than you know the historic fumbling of the ball that the editors gave uh the luvu tribe in 41 um and I, there is uh the, the seeds of whatever's coming next even though it's unclear at this point what that is going to be so i would like to see more from jay meyer and, and friends optimistic that we will get that chance but i think that it is always a tough spot when you have an early swap with only one tribe being both uh, just this complete uh, mess, which you have to dwell on for as long as you possibly can. And also the tribe who just by necessity, they're going to tribal. You have to show the, the pre-tribal machinations. So that leaves less time even in these uh, uh, extended length episodes. So I, yeah, I, I hope that we get a more balanced edit in the future. I think the conditions probably will allow for that. And as long as the, the will is there in the editing room, uh, then I, I think we should be good there. So I would say the will is very clearly there in the editing room for my money, uh, where, you know, a season from even as recently as like four or five years ago, where both teams are going to or all three teams are going to tribal councils routinely would be less balanced than this current season uh where only one team is going to tribal council like i think jay maya is the kind of glaring exception along those lines but i think they've done a fantastic job and again they have 90 minutes so it's much easier here than it would be four or five years ago uh but virtually everyone has gotten at least one confessional in pretty much every episode. And that uh, leaves me very optimistic, not only for what's to come this season, but just kind of the philosophical state of the editing room at large in modern times. Uh, so I guess uh, on the red tribe, I would say this drew and Austin pair have really been like the most in the thick of things where 
they've got a lot going on with the advantages. Uh, they've got their kind of pair of pairs going on with D and Julie. I think clearly they have been uh, very active to this point and just haven't had an opportunity to put any of their plans into like pen department sorts of action here. What have you made of this Drew and Austin pair uh, where on one hand, maybe they are like the coconuts, coconut bandits 2.0, excuse me, where they can just kind of merrily go about their mischief from pillar to post here. Uh, on the other hand, I would not be surprised at all if once a swap rolls around next week or if they can make it through that whenever the merge rolls around, they, much like I said about Caleb, both also strike me as the types who are going to have a very difficult time fading into the background when that becomes a vital part of making it far in the post-merge conditions. So uh, what are your thoughts to this point on Drew and Austin? Austin intrigues me a lot. Uh, some some of the same vibe I'm getting from Caleb, but uh, just without the being quite as overtly wolfy about it, maybe as Caleb has been so far, uh, certainly less in the spotlight. Uh, Drew, I don't know. Did, did he go to Oxford or something? Is, is that the vibe you're getting? Uh, I believe he has mentioned Ivy League. Ah, something. Okay. Uh, but was it, hold, hold up. But was it like one of the good IVs or one of the ones that just kind of is bundled in there by default? Like, do, do we have any intel on that? I mean, the mere fact that it's an Ivy League school inherently means it's far superior to Oxford, obviously. So, uh, to judge away. Judge, it's, all right, I don't, I don't know that I've ever told this story before. For anyone who doesn't know, Dom is an Oxford alumni. Uh, Dom. You, you said it, not me. No, no, no. Uh, the first time that we ever actually met in person, you were in America for, so this is back when you lived in England. Uh, you were in America for some reason. We met in Boston uh, and we attended Aubrey's Game Changers premiere party together. And that was a great time. The following morning, we uh, at your behest went to drive through Harvard because you well, wanted to go up. judge the shit out of it and talk about what a terrible campus it was and how, of course, this so-called institute of finer learn of higher education or whatever uh, could never live up to your meticulous standards. This this absolutely did not happen. Although I, I'm not. I, I, Honestly, could not remember it well enough to rule out it having happened, but I'm pretty sure it did not happen. I, I'm going to state my claim to that. You had some choice words for, at the very least, the Harvard bookstore as not being up to snuff oh. in your mind. I, I mean, g given that this is meant to be the the the, is, mo the most esteemed seat of learning in uh, the the richest country in the history of the world, pretty shabby bookstore. Uh, if I if I had to to say anything about that, which I don't, but now now that you've driven me to that, here we are. Yes. Uh, but anyway, yes, I believe Drew does have like some sort of high intensity intellectual background that he is not as uh, unwilling as you seem to be to let people know about. Uh, that being said, like as far as I would be concerned for both Drew and Austin, if I just was seeing the clips of only them in isolation, I would probably be thinking to myself on just like a random season of Survivor 
they're going to be very fun to watch for as long as they're out there. But I don't know how long uh, these sorts of players are going to be out there. It seems like, uh, and granting that the red team is about to dissolve, and so this might not be super relevant, it did, though, seem to me like both Drew and Austin did do a good job uh, at, at positioning themselves at least relatively near the middle of this red team. Now, who knows? Maybe it is indeed julie and d who were like the actual swing votes here and if they had been so inclined could have easily linked up with sifu and or jay maya to get drew and austin out immediately uh had this team lost one of those challenges but i guess the way i'll put it is i feel like i am being led to believe that drew and austin are actually doing a very good job with the interpersonal stuff and that uh is at least to some degree surprising to me Sure, sure. I I just don't feel I've seen nearly enough of the tribe to have any kind of strong view about them so far. Like I, allegedly, there is an alliance between Dee and Julie. I I I trust others who claim to have experienced that themselves, but I I really have have not uh, let that into my life yet. Okay, well I I feel like Dee and Julie. The, now that now that I've said those words out loud. I think it's well within the realm of possibility that had this team had to go to a vote, it would have indeed been Dee and Julie kind of calling the shots there. And I think my overall takeaway on the red team to this point, uh, as much as what we have gotten to see from Sifu, I have enjoyed immensely. Uh, Likewise, Jay Maya, although obviously uh, plenty of room for improvement as things pertain to seeing things from Jay Maya to like in the first place. I would say D specifically stands out to me as the person where I would say if someone from this team is going to win, I think D would be a potentially heavy front runner for me for for me from this group. I I I, no, I don't think that's anywhere near enough to to say that at all. But I agree. Look, I... But I'm saying it anyway, <laughs> uh, and it felt good. Okay. So don't talk me down here. You, you, you got to have some take like that, and we, we were getting close to the end without that emerging yet, so I'm glad it's finally uh, revealed itself. Yeah, I think I might start already planting my flag on D being like some all-time Survivor legend who's going to play four times or whatever. It, it's never too early to at least be toying with those sorts of ideas. Uh, Dom, are you liking Sifu? Is Sifu doing it for you, or are you not so into his antics? Maybe I just have some issue here where I have failed to perceive the entire Red Tribe outside of uh, Drew and Austin, you know, tag teaming my my consciousness here. But I I'm not that into Sifu, I guess, but really could not articulate any strong objection to him either. He just uh, this entire Red Tribe is an enigma to me at this point. Okay, Uh, I I am optimistic that we will see much more from these folks uh, in future weeks. So I guess let's move over to the blue tribe we did uh at least in passing already reference these three women all of whom have names beginning with k all of whom i believe unless one or two of them were lying have september birthdays uh they seem to hit it off right away we have kendra kelly and katura uh have you been able to notice the blue tribe to a more meaningful extent uh, and along with those three, by the way, we have the aforementioned Bruce, we have Jake, and we have Brando. Do you have any, uh, like, anyone standing out to you from within this group yet? I've noticed a lot of people celebrating that uh, Kelly Narbandian will not be the end person voted off of uh, Survivor 45. And uh, once I uh, know enough about 
her to have any kind of opinion. Maybe I will join the Nalbandian wagon. Is that a thing? Anything? Something? It's surely got to be a thing by now. Okay, well, if it's not, I will be... Excuse me, hold on. I'll be shocked if it's not a thing by now. Or the now bandwagon or whatever. I'm positive that's got to be a thing. The the wordplay is simply too immaculate for that to not be a thing yet. If it's not, I will be the inaugural member. I will be the one driving the wagon, which uh, may be a, a dangerous experience, but uh, but hop on. Let's, uh, let's all have some fun. So that would be one of those things where, like, sometimes when I'm watching the episodes live on Wednesday, I'll have some thought that seems tweet-worthy, but I won't tweet it just because it seems so obvious that surely, even if I am the literal first person to do it, it's going to become so overdone in the matter in a matter of like the next few minutes that I, it will feel like I am like uh, not plagiarizing or whatever. Like I don't I don't want to be one of the people just doing the standard uh, puns. I gotta I, I gotta take my puns to the next level or they won't get tweeted by me. And then even when they do. They just get deleted about five minutes later. So it's a high bar uh, that Kelly is going to have to clear in terms of uh, my Twitter activity, which I'm sure is a great concern of hers. Uh, I, I, though, Dom, along with uh, Brian Scally and his Kelly will not be the nth person voted on voted out tweets. I have very much uh, enjoyed not only Kelly, I would say Katura and Kendra are also big time standouts for me. And the men of the blue team, what we've gotten to see from Bruce has been a bit strange to me uh, and leaves me not so optimistic about his chances going forward. Like we see him very actively trying to be fun Uncle Bruce, but I don't know uh, that we are necessarily meant to be believing that that is going so well. Jake has and hilarious accent uh, and backstory. It's it's probably going to take a couple more weeks at least for me to warm up to a prosecutor anytime soon, uh, to be fully honest. And then Brando, I actually would say, is in a, a very interesting spot. I feel like we have we've had his bond with Kelly flagged up. Sorry to to talk about the edit, uh, which is normally not something I'm super interested in doing now that like reading the edit has just been completely shattered in the new era. Uh, The fact that this kind of pairing with Brando and Kelly has been flagged up at least once and like completely unnecessarily, uh, that to me is an automatic indicator that I should be like, paying attention to that but it has very much been the women of the blue team that have been occupying like the bulk of my interest and attention to this point and i would say in all three of their cases i desperately hope that we get to see a lot more of them for a very long time because i think the women of the blue team have been one of the highlights of the entire season for me to this point when we have gotten to see them on the screen which, if you have to qualify it that way, how can they really be a highlight? Philosophical question, which uh, in the, the, the gleaming spires of Harvard, maybe they debate at length. Not here, though. We, we move on to other things. Yes. Uh, I, I will say, uh, just as a final way too early call on some of the people that we have not gotten to see a ton from to this point, but we'll hopefully get to see a lot more from going forward. Uh, I think Katura is the early front runner in my mind to be confessionalist of the year. And I could, if she makes a deep run, I will be shocked if Katura is not for many, many, many years to come, 
routinely cited as one of the best confessionalists Survivor has seen in a long time. Uh, I think it's it's strange where I think Katura is a a major standout, uh, both in the confessional department and also uh, what we've seen from her game wise, you know, setting Jake up to kind of take the fall on behalf of lawyers worldwide. Kelly strikes me as someone very thoughtful about the game with a massive ceiling along those lines. And Kendra, although I am not myself someone who is super into astrology, uh, I have absolutely loved every time Kendra has been on the screen has brought an, an immediate and enormous smile to my face. So I, I, I'm really not ready to lose any of these three yet. The men on this team, I don't know that I would necessarily say the same about, uh, but I, I do like very much what we've gotten to see from them as well. I'm just more willing uh, to to lose one of them if need be sooner uh, rather than later. Although, uh, again, I, sorry to, to hammer this. I, I, I really do think there is something there between Brando and Kelly that is going to matter later. And I am very curious about what that is going to be. I am not so curious yet, but I, I am excited for you that you, you already seem to be uh, ordering these giant Boston Robin Sandra style heads for a, a solid six or seven of these cast members, especially the women on the blue team who really seem to be uh, doing it for you. Um, I mean, you're, you're my... not, you're not into astrology, but you're into women who are into astrology is, is a takeaway here. I, it is certainly not the first time. Uh, so, and yeah, look, my, my apartment is a little uh, empty at this point. I could use some decorations. Why not bring in six or seven, 15 foot, monuments to people that I've seen three total hours of in my entire life. I don't see how that could possibly backfire. Uh, okay. Dom, I, I think the only other thing left to get to is a couple just various notes to, to clean up along the way here. I did. Uh, oh, a couple of shout outs that I wanted to give. First of all, uh, a shout out that I meant to give earlier to Brandon Donlin that slipped my mind, but it has now crossed it again. And so I will do that. Big time shout out to Brandon for being the first person, I believe, to decline the beware advantage. I love seeing someone willing to do that. And I think that is often uh, a a smart move for many people under many circumstances. They may be finding themselves in out there on like day four or whatever. I love that the the kind of toothpaste is beginning to come out of the tube on. You don't have to take any advantage they throw your way. Uh, the other uh, the other shout out I wanted to give pertains to challenges, which is shout out to whoever finally pushed the needle to the opposite side on sitting out. Uh, as much fun as we've had over the years and as iconic as so many of the perpetual sitters out have been over the years, we have talked for a long time about this being among the most overdue rule changes in the history of Survivor, and I love that they have finally pulled the trigger there, and that it does not matter how many episodes it is spaced out over, you cannot sit out back-to-back -back challenges. What did you think about that? Yeah, I was never as exercised about this, but I, I hope this is the start of us not having to raise this topic again, because it always felt like, why are you making us talk about this? Just just fix the issue and move on. Let us all move on with our lives and just enjoy the enjoy the challenge and enjoy the show for what it is, please. Yeah. Uh, okay. A couple other things here, and then we will get you guys out of here. Uh, 
I'm surprised, frankly, that the shot in the dark is still only a one in six shot, unless I've like missed some sort of memo. I, I don't care too much about whether it's one in six, one in four, one in three. I would I would certainly object if it got as extreme as one in two. But I'm just surprised that the producers are exercising such restraint when in my mind. Uh, and I, we've been talking about this since literally season 41, when the shot in the dark was introduced, I would have no problem with it uh, if they wanted to reduce the odds, like uh, asking someone to give up their vote for a one in six shot at being safe, I do feel like is uh, a, a pretty tall order. And I would personally probably advocate for them switching it to one in three or one in four, where it just becomes a more compelling proposition for the people who feel like they might be in danger there i totally understand the purists out there who hate the idea that anyone could just be automatically safe because they pulled the right piece of parchment out and they you know it's crazy that someone undeserving would leave the game that night instead uh if the shot in the dark is going to be a thing i guess what i'm getting at is why not be why not make it a more realistic uh, and impactful sort of thing that the players would be that the players would be more inclined to use. Just uh, it's it feels weird to me to know that shot in the dark does exist and could conceivably come up, uh, but just hasn't happened virtually at all. Uh, other than in spots where people are like absolutely certain that they are about to be the one who gets voted out there. Uh, and Dom. Shout out number three, I suppose. Uh, new puzzles finally coming into the mix. I don't think we need to spend an, a ton of time on that, but I did like that as well. And then shout out number four, Dom. We're about to swap, as we have mentioned. Are, are, are you someone who was dying for swaps to be brought back? I am keen to see how they handle it uh, these days, where I think there's a case for just holding off and if for the first time maybe ever you have the most time that we've seen on a season to devote to tribe to trial this small and where each individual pairing of people is a storyline that you can really devote a lot of attention to if you want to then i would be keen to see what came of that if you gave that more uh time to blossom as it is it, it seems like the, the just the way that uh lulu has uh, become the main character uh, and installed themselves there has kind of uh, prevented that from happening, at least on the other two tribes. So I, I, I think it's fine to to mix it up, at least save those people from themselves and let us see what they can do in, in a different environment. Let those other two tribes interact with each other, mix it up a bit and and uh, kind of hit refresh on that, if you like. But maybe next season, if we do, in fact, get more 90 minute episodes, then hopefully things will be a little bit more even now. And at that point, I maybe you just let the season become more of a slow burn in that sense and give it kind of more time to develop. But I, I do worry about some kind of, you know, there, there will be some vote in nine episodes from now, which is kind of come back down to some conversation that, uh you know, Kelly and Brando had on day four, which uh, Katura overheard. And that, that was the first thing that really made her doubt uh Brando or something. And like, I, I could see when two of the three tribes are being obscured to that degree, there's going to be some stuff inevitably, which is going to have a big impact on the season down the line that we just don't know about. And which maybe they will exercise their creativity and show us some flashback at a convenient time. That does seem to be in that range now. But I, I, I do worry. I mean, 
the the season that we covered before uh, Pearl Islands over on the the Patreon rewatch feed was Cambodia, where that was uh, infamously a big part of the narrative there, where just the the OG Bayern was it existed for such a little time, and yet so much of the uh, just stuff that ended up being formative in the season was born there. And I don't know how you tell the story of the season without it. And I just pray that we don't end up in a similar spot again. Yeah, and I will double down on a suggestion you just made. I think Survivor would be very well served to lean way, way harder on the flashback button because that could solve so many of these sorts of problems. Uh, and there's no time. Uh, who cares if you're flashing back in episode 10 to something that happened on day two? Uh, now that it's finally become relevant, I think that'd be totally fine, totally cool, uh, and is something they should, in my view, uh, be looking to do way, way more of. Uh, in any event, Dom, I feel like we've hit on a lot of stuff. I'm obviously very optimistic about the way the season is shaping up to this point. There is, however, one last thing, now that I have spent, you know, an hour and a half being the positive guy and building up goodwill with the audience while Dom is over here in his cloud of judgment, handing out all his criticisms to, to everyone who would listen, I feel like uh, now is the time for me to really lean into my typical kind of self-destructive douchebag tendencies and voice a take that will probably immediately evaporate any sort of goodwill I may have built up to this point over the course of this oh, podcast. Go. Yes. Dom, another change that we have this season, and it, it, to be clear, I do not care that this is happening. And that's no, no, no. Of... Hold on, hold on. You, you can't, you can't boast about being about to deliver a, a sizzling hot take that's gonna uh, scorch uh, any goodwill that you've built up upon contact, and then start qualifying it as, as only you could. Let, let's have the take. Let, let's, let's hit. Let's, let's have the heat. Okay, the t I'm doing that in a sense. The take is not that I hate that this thing exists. My take is. I don't care that it exists, and I do not buy that nearly as many people care, at least to the extent that they are pretending to care about this happening. And I am talking about the return of the intro song and that whole sequence. I 100% buy that it is awesome for the people who are actually in the cast to see themselves uh, in that and have that happen every week i and absolutely back when i was a little kid i would get like fired up about the theme song before i was aware of the fact that like this is cutting into whatever it is 60 75 90 seconds that could otherwise be spent on things that interest me more i when we're re-watching these old seasons and even when I'm, you know, rewatching these new episodes to do notes for this very podcast, I cannot click the skip intro button fast enough. I am I feel like an alien that everyone, it seems like, is like so fired up for the theme song being back. And like I get look, we have 90 minutes. I'm not going to kill them for wanting to spend one minute on the theme song. I do not at all by though that nearly as many people are as fired up as it, it seems to me based on uh my twitter timeline i did look i get it it's been all, forever since we've seen the theme song it feels novel again for the first time in however long 
I have my suspicions that that feeling is going to subside uh, for a lot of people over these next couple of months or so. Uh, and I am hopeful that whenever we do go back to 60 minutes, the theme song will also be cut out as well. Uh, in any event, Dom, now that I have completely squashed any kind of positive sentiment that I may have inadvertently developed over the course of this episode, I think that is going to do it for me here. Other, Actually, you know what? It, it probably would be pertinent. Dom, through three episodes, gun to your head, who is your winner pick? Oh, God. Uh, huh. When I say this, I ask this question with no answer of my own in mind. So feel free to filibuster for as long as you would like. I feel if uh, the, the new era trends are any indication, it is going to be someone who is barely on my radar at this point. And so there's someone who whose name I know, who, who can cross that threshold, but who uh, I don't have a strong view on uh, other than that. So I guess give me... Uh, hmm. Uh, you know what? Give, give me Kendra. Why not? Okay, I love it. I I would be fully here for a Kendra who, winner pick. Who? Okay, let, let's get into this whole conspiracy quickly. Apparently, she was there at the first tribal council and maybe got to cast a vote, and that entire subplot was like scrubbed from the uh, official record. Right. So I've heard about this in passing. I do not know the details, but yeah, apparently, I think she got it. Sorry, I'm so sorry that I'm sure most of the people who have made it, whatever, it's been an hour and 45 minutes almost into this podcast, know the details of this far better than either of us do. She got some sort of thing in the premiere where she went to the, I don't think she went to the Yellow Team camp, but did she got to watch their tribal council and may have even cast a vote or whatever i don't know if the yellow team knew she was there i, I the, i'll tell you what this is a hundred percent just job very poorly done by both of us on not knowing the details of that but yeah there there was something to that effect that happened in the premiere that was just completely taken out of the episode. You are correct. Yeah, so so even though uh, she is off on these secret missions, which apparently have to be uh, disguised from uh, the, the viewers at home, she, maybe because of that even, uh, is going to be my winner pick until uh, further notice of something. Okay, uh, I, I would be very much here for that. I think I'm going to go a similar direction as you. It is difficult for me, as, as unreliable as I feel like any effort to read the edit in any of these new era seasons has been. I'm going to kind of now flip that on its head and say, okay, that means I can now go ahead and discard anyone that I would have conventionally thought of as getting anything close to like a winner edit here. I think I am going to go for someone lower on the radar than most at this point uh but i do feel like there are a couple of reasons to believe that a brighter future may be ahead for brando i think i'm gonna go brando for my winner pick at this moment uh which is i i think probably would have been a surprise to even the colin stone of five minutes ago until dom you inspired me to start thinking along those lines so if this doesn't pan out it's of course 100 percent your fault uh dom i think that is indeed going to do it for us here today he is on twitter at dom hrv excuse me he's on x which everyone calls it uh on 
at Dom HRV. I am there at Colin Stone. We as uh, has come up a few times over this co- the course of this podcast. We have been diving into a Pearl Islands rewatch over on the Patreon feed. If you would be interested in that, Patreon.com slash Dom and Colin. And actually, actually, uh, yesterday at the time that you are hearing this, the first episode of that was posted on this very feed, wherever you're hearing this for free. So check that out. Uh, if that is something that tickles your fancy, Dom, anything yes, else we, before we, we, we are diving keenly in, although I have somehow already lost our spearheads. If anyone has seen that, please, please do write in and let us know. I'll go check in the ocean. Uh, all right. That is going to do it for us here today. Thank you so much. Everyone who has made it this far, we will talk to you soon. Take care, everybody.